And hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Two Back Set Podcasts. I'm one of your hosts, Thomas, a.k.a. Mr. Warburg. I'm your resident Hawkeye fan. Joining me, as always, is my co-host, Patrick, a.k.a. Mr. Fusion. Representing number three in the nation, the Texas Longhorns. Hook em horns. Indeed, indeed. Uh, we did miss week three. Life stuff happened, so Texas uh, Fusion didn't get to celebrate Texas's big win over Alabama, which was a great game. It was definitely one that was very fun to watch. So any any, you know... Kind of in absence, like, hey, this is what my thoughts on that game were. I, uh, no, other than, you know, the Texas defense is really good. Um, I really love Sark's play calling. I think the problem is execution of the players because not only did they look bad the first half struggling offensively against Alabama, they did so against uh, Wyoming this past Saturday. So I think he he calls the right plays. I think that there's just a level of focus that's not there in the first half. And as the season goes on, they really have to tighten that up because in a couple of weeks they face Oklahoma and Dallas, and Oklahoma has been running up the score on everybody just so they can prove a point. We know what they're doing. Yeah. So that's going to be a dogfight. And if they don't come out swinging and executing offensively in the first half, it's going to be a rough day for them. But I have a feeling that they're going. I mean, just their their defensive fronts fierce, man, and they're you know they have really good secondary so that defense can carry them but at some point you have to be focused at soon like offensively you have to be able to execute that yeah, you got to play all four quarters yeah I and mean, you especially with you know if they beat oklahoma they could potentially run the table oh i think the big odds on favorite to run the table yeah they get in the big 12 title game they win it they get into the playoff they have to be able to execute in the first half we both we've seen enough college football playoff to know that if you don't show up in the first half it becomes immensely difficult in the second half, particularly like with an Oklahoma, uh, with Alabama, with a Georgia, with a Michigan, like yeah, it say would be- Georgia and with those new clock rules with the constant yeah. clock, like yep. all of a sudden that second half, your, your chances to get back in a game, yep. they dwindle fast. Yep. You but could yeah, try to, you could try to run that, that big 12 style of offense, you know, the running gun type of thing, the RPO, but at the same time, like Georgia likes to just run it down your throat. Right. And that's going to be a problem if it's them at the end of the season. So that's something they got to work on the first half, yeah. And how about Oklahoma? But, like, everybody thought last year was, oh, man, Venables ain't the guy. They're falling off after Riley left. And now, oh, damn, they're just beating the brains out of people. Like, they got a yeah. point to prove. Like, okay. That is, that is them just running it to prove a point. That's what, that's what, we're, that's what we're looking at right now. And the, the scary thing is, is that their quarterback, Gabriel, um, a good quarterback, but that freshman is going to be incredible over the next few years. That guy coming, I forget his name now. I can't, I can't remember his name. I wish I could look it up here. Uh, is it Davis, Davis, you you know more than me. I'm a big 10 guy. Uh, Jackson Arnold, I believe is the freshman. Uh, but, uh, Dylan Gabriel is the current quarterback. Uh, but man, like when he comes in, because you know, by the third quarter, they're up by like 45 points and he's out there slinging it too, the freshman. So, He's going to be incredible over the next few years. So look out for Oklahoma. I'm still not sold on Brent Venables being the guy over there just because I really don't like him. But then again, I I think Lincoln Riley was greatly overhyped coming in, taking over for Bob Stoops, you know? Mm. He's done a good job at USC. I just see him not being that I still need to see there. his team have a defense. Yep, that's the biggest thing, man. He can recruit the hell out of his offensive players, but like he's he has yet to put it together defensively, both at Oklahoma, consistently at Oklahoma, and now at USC. We're kind of like, hmm, when's this going to happen for you? You know, but he can pay a shit ton of NIL for for offensive players, but 
You know, I I think Venables is going to be all right at Oklahoma. Like, I don't think, is he long-term? Still don't know. I need another year or two to see it, to be worried, because I think that game in a couple weeks is going to be a major litmus test for what Oklahoma really is. Just like what's coming up this week, and we're going to talk about it, is that that Colorado-Oregon game. That is their major litmus test, going against, like, top-tier competition, you know? So, yeah. Absolutely agree. Um, so for my side, uh, obviously, as I said in the intro, I'm a, I'm a Hawkeye. So obviously after week two, they win the Cyhawk game. You know, pretty by the numbers, El Asico, which is the yeah. uh, Iowa, I believe it was an Iowa State student blog, uh, Wide Right Natty Light, which is an excellent fan blog name, by the way. Um, they had they coined the term El Asico years ago because that game is such a shit show. Because you got all these emotions because they most like i think per capita iowa and iowa state when that game happens they have in the terms of in-state rivalries there are all got to be 150 kids combined between the teams that are from the state of iowa right like and they're maybe overcompensating right it's early in the season too so like the freshmen will make mistakes the underclassmen just maybe the communication is not all all the way there yet at on all three levels and you saw it on both teams, especially with Iowa State, because of all the gambling stuff. They are an incredibly young team. That's why I don't yep. think Matt Campbell's in trouble, because, I mean, nobody, two months ago, I don't think he thought Deckers would be done for life, you know? Yeah. Like, his starting running back maybe just fucked away his chance at the NFL, and he was very good, you know? Right. Like, there went half their, not just half, there went most of their offensive production coming back. And for hopefully this year, and now you got to start over. Got some talented guys as freshmen, but much like Iowa, they go three-star kind of guys. It's a developmental program. You can't just take that hit and expect to win. Right. Now, I would be on the lookout for Iowa State next year because all of a sudden all these guys are getting a lot of reps very early in their career that maybe otherwise wouldn't have. And will that have a knock-on effect next year with Iowa State where they kind of punch above their weight a little bit? Kind of like Campbell a few years ago when he had that, was that the Fiesta Bowl run? The COVID yeah. year? Yeah. Like, do they have a year like that in them where all of a sudden now they're, they're freshmen turned sophomores and sophomores and juniors are, hey, we're pretty good now. We'll have to see what happens there. But so Iowa beats Iowa State, and then they actually blow a team out, which I can't remember the last time I saw Iowa beat a team out, at least non-conference. Mm. A couple of years I ago, know. they beat Maryland, and they beat them bad. Like, that was... Yeah awful like that it was over by the first quarter what it was almost 35 wasn't it 35 nothing at halftime or something it was it was something ridiculous like that and, yeah. and that's an iowa box where you were like wait iowa did that but that was back when iowa could score the football you gotta remember in 2020 and 2021 they averaged 30 and 29 points a game like they could actually score back then you know and tyler goodson was a monster in space and showed up there but this is the first time as far back as I can remember in quite some time, you're going back into the Stanley years here where they had a team that were was overmatched and they showed it. Like, no, we can go run the ball down these guys' throats. They averaged almost seven yards per carry. Like, it was, they were just constantly ripping off first down runs. And they were going five, six deep at the running back position just because they could, but also because they had to. So they lost Luke Lachey. He broke his ankle, had surgery. Apparently it was a clean break, which will mean hopefully a short surgery recovery. So either if he decides to come back to play, he can be in spring ball. Don't miss any. He won't miss any offseason practices. You know, he'll be right back in it. And he's an experienced player. So shouldn't be a missing time issue. Or does he take the opportunity to look at the NFL? Because there are going to be teams interested because he can block. He can run. 
he's basically a slightly bigger TJ Hawkinson as far as how I've seen him run routes. Like there were some routes down the seam where you're like, yeah, that's that's George Kittle, that's TJ Hawkinson, that's Noah Fant, and he can block. Mm-hmm. There are gonna be teams that want him, and I would never begrudge a guy going to get paid. It just sucks that his if if that happens, his Hawkeye career would end on an injury. That well, you know, the, sucks. the combine is late February, right? Usually early March. Or yeah, February. I think it's it's after President's Day, isn't it? Yeah, I think so. So yeah. late February. Um, so you're talking about f- roughly five months for him for recovery. Yeah. If it's a clean break, he should be fine. If they yeah, everyone was put... saying if he wanted to, if he wasn't worried about have... the red shirt, he could come back for the bowl, maybe. Did they you know? put? They didn't have to put any screws or rods. No, nope, apparently there. it was a completely clean break, and the surgery went great. And obviously, okay, it's too well, early to say because, yeah. you know, I've had stomach surgeries. Setbacks happen, but yeah. it sounds like the recovery should be not like extremely. He's not. He's done for the regular season for here. But if he wants to come back and play and doesn't care about the red shirt, he could by the bull is what a few people around the program have said. But they all know that's not happening. It's just yeah. a that's the recovery timeline. So, so you'll be ready. For, you'll be ready for the combine. Well, well, you'll you'll let me put it like this: if if he's recovered, if it's a clean break, and they're saying that he could technically make it back by yeah, the assuming game, uh, assuming no January. setbacks and everything goes great, yeah. Let's just say that's late December. That's three months. He could be a hundred percent by combine time. Yeah, if if that's the case, like if if they're saying he could play in a bowl game, then combine time he should be a hundred percent. So you'll have an idea if if he doesn't participate in the bowl game. Then I think that yeah, he's and also like I said with the if he wants to come back, the complication is he played in three games. If you play in a fourth, bye bye medical redshirt, right? And I don't know if how that will happen. Like say Iowa gets to Indy, all of a sudden we have an extra game because it's a percentage thing. It's not total number of games. I think it's like thirty percent of the season or something. Mm -hmm. And if you only play ten games, there's well there's three. But if you get up into the you know, do you are you playing thirteen games? Then that shifts. You can you can play four technically. I just don't think he would even risk coming back, not a hundred percent on an ankle for a bowl game, not the having only, played in months. The only way I could see that happening is if if Iowa made the playoff. Yeah, and I just and even still, the backups look pretty good. Like the, the the third deep, the fourth deep caught passes right. Like people were going off on Brian Ferentz about running up the score, but I'm like, well, number one, do you not do you not want the backups to score? Like, do you just want them to knee the ball out with six minutes to go? Yeah. Like, yeah. Deacon Hill is, Deacon Hill is a vast upgraded backup to what we had last year. So you want to get him reps, right? You want to get your backups rep. You've got injuries now, so those guys need reps, yep. right? Caleb Johnson and uh, Jazzy and Patterson both out for the Penn State game at running back position. That's your running that's back tough. one two, though a running back three was like competing for the second spots. So, like that's not a huge <clears throat> drop off, but it's the behind him that's like. Okay, now we're getting into legacy walk-on kind of territory. That's right. scary. You know, that's almost airbag territory. You remember those years? The angry Iowa running back hating God. And I'm not as I'm knocking on wood, where we lost like five running backs in a season. It was bonkers. Just like the flukiest of shit. Nobody even hitting people. Just go down popping ACLs like it's their job. It's crazy. We're not there yet. But it was it was alarming. Especially this this week's injury report is like, oh shit, we're out a lot of dudes. But so is Penn State. So I will get into that game in a little bit. But like Deegan Hill, I believe he, I think he threw for a touchdown. Yeah. He's he's that he's the what? The six, he's, six He's the big Ben. Like, dude, he's, he's huge. It was like, yeah. I'd rather get him some reps because who knows if Caleb can stay in a game 100%, like against a really great team that's going to hit him with that leg. 
you got to be confident in your backup. Sure. And I think they're getting there with Hill because he was their number two all of camp and he's getting reps. Like, I just think we're in a better spot backup than we were for the last couple of years. And I'm okay with him running up the score. It's like an overmatched opponent. We're paying them anyway. Get the reps in. Go to work. So, you know, like for Texas, you know, the first couple games of the season, being able to have a comfortable lead, they, they didn't run up their scores, right? But it was comfortable enough to where they could start inserting the freshmen and the backups early on in both of those games. I mean, I'm sorry, in that in that Rice game, let me correct myself. Um, in that Rice game, getting their getting the freshmen and the backups in was crucial because you know how deep Alabama is, and late in the game, you have to have fresh legs, right? And bringing those guys in throughout the first half and in the third quarter is crucial for the fourth quarter, and that really helped out because a lot like Texas has really great freshmen both on the defensive front and at linebacker, and they were able to get reps against Rice that way. And hell, Anthony Hill became the starting you know outside linebacker. You know the freshman, the five star freshman coming in. He didn't start the first game, and then he started against Alabama because he had a great game coming off the bench. Right, I think that's crucial and. I know we talked about like Oklahoma running up the score. It's a little different when you watch and those guys are obviously running up the score to, to help to pad their ranking. We know what they're doing, but still it matters to get those freshmen in there. It really does. It plays an important role when you get to conference play. And when you guys, you know, like, Oh, Iowa getting those running backs and getting reps in, it's crucial for them because now that they have in-game experience, Hey, all it takes is one of those guys to light it up against Penn state and things can change pretty quickly. And that, I, I, I'm not predicting it. But Iowa has gone in unranked and beaten top five Penn State at home before in a whiteout game. It's happened. But that 2009 team was vastly underrated coming into the season and had multiple dudes who had long, very successful NFL careers on both sides of the ball. Like, they had some dudes. That was Brian Bulaga. That was Adrian Claiborne, Pat Anger, Tyler Sash, you know, and Brett Greenwood. That was that, like, Micah Hyde was on that team. That team was fucking loaded with dudes. Yeah. I don't think we're that loaded. Then again, I didn't. All, we didn't all think that back then either. Sure. It's not impossible. I'm not predicting it because of the injuries and Kay's not 100%, but it's certainly going to be an interesting game. But it may be one of the least interesting we have in our pick'em. But we got some other games to talk about, especially stuff that happened week three. One big one, and that was the Colorado-Colorado State game. That was a double OT game. I believe it was the highest rated. It had like 9.3 million views per... Yep. One of, yep. one of ESPN's top five all time. So, Fusion, what were your thoughts on that game? Um, obviously, let's talk about the big thing. Uh, I forget his first name, but Blackburn, the the safety, the, the defensive back from Colorado State. Yeah. That was obviously a polarizing play. If you're an old school knucklehead, you're going to say, that's football. If you look at just like the idea of like player safety, what we know about concussions and injuries, all that stuff, the and just the rules, whether it be from 30 years ago or the rules today, either way, that was a fucking illegal hit. Yeah. The ball, was out, the ball was out of play. Uh, Travis Hunter was going, being for, forced out of bounds to, to just shoulder him like that well after the play ended. And it wasn't even a, like, there wasn't going to be a contested reception. Like, there was no way that was a contest. Like, there, it, it just wasn't a, it wasn't an actual play. He just, Waited till the you know the, the he was going out of bounds and just shouldered it broke uh, lacerated his liver right it was his liver yeah. not his spleen yeah so Travis Hunter's expected to be out for two to three weeks 
crappy play. But the thing is, is as I watched that game, I noticed that uh, Norville was really overlooking, like not even addressing it, but a lot of his players were taking cheap shots during the game against Colorado. And so for him to go out there and play like the, the uh, I'm, I'm better than you to Dion throughout the week and all that stuff, I will say this though. I thought it was going to be a blowout after he was caught talking shit about Dion personally and talking about his mom or whatever. I thought Dion was going to run up like 80 points on this guy, right? Just to prove a point. I will say this: Colorado State came out and they, 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 uh, they gave him a game. You talking about? They should have gone for two. Yeah, they should have gone for two. That was really dumb on their part. That being said, I think, uh, I think, I think a lot of people that were Dion detractors are now gaining some respect for him because how he addressed the the intensity during the game, the, obviously the adjustments they made both offensive line and defensively in the second half to make sure that they stay competitive throughout the game. All of those things as well as how he handled the uh, the Travis Hunter Blackburn situation afterwards over the past couple of days, like immediately after the game, during the game, after, and then days after how he's, how he's addressed it. I think coach prime has handled it with class. I know people don't like the flashiness about him, but like the, the, the idea of like putting in that whole showboating of the game, that's always been his style. If you've known Deion Sanders, he's been doing it since Colorado, uh, Florida state, you know, 40 years ago. I'm not shocked to see this at all. Like, Hey, they look like a good team. It was a good game for them to see what, 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 what happens when you play down to your opponent, because I really do think as, as much as people can give Colorado credit, Colorado state credit. And I give them that. I think that Colorado in the first half played down to Colorado state. And that's me thinking that because I don't, I look at that roster for Colorado state and I don't exactly see a lot of NFL talent on it. I may be wrong, you know, but I, I, there were very few that, names. Uh, that defensive end. That dude's playing on the Sunday. Oh, that, that one, that one guy. Yeah. I, he I know wrecked talking, their but... offensive line. Yeah. And, like, for me, Colorado also had a guy try to poke the eyes out of a Colorado State player. Like, well, that, was, that was a quarterback. Shadur, that, was, that was after a bad hit, though. That was after a bad hit. And I don't give that defensive yeah. end. His hit, like, his personal fouls there at the end, those weren't 30 plays. Like, he was gra- trying to grab the guy's shoulder plaid, got the face mask, right? Like, that play happens. He's going across his body. And True. he was a step late on a quarterback hit. That happens yeah. all the time, right? Like, and what, like... It was just how his momentum was taking him. Didn't seem dirty. He didn't like pick him up and jump on him, right? Like just took him down. Like, but the one hit for sure. And I don't know. It just seems like it was a very undisciplined game on both sides. There was how well, many personal I, fouls on both sides? There it was, was a crazy. Lot of penalties. Yeah. That was definitely like, like what I was saying about Iowa, Iowa State. That was that game, but on a much bigger stage. Like sure. you got a lot of undisciplined guys in terms of early in the season. They're still, especially because of all the transfers. Like they're still figuring the system out figuring each other out in a live action you know setting and they're going against guys they don't know like in a conference game like iowa and iowa state we see each other all the time colorado colorado state don't all the time especially with all these new faces right and it's an incredibly high profile moment for all of their careers it's probably the biggest game in terms of eyeballs on them any any of them have played yeah you know like the emotions of that are going to make any most college aids kids very undisciplined so I would say there was definitely a couple dirty plays, but the rest was just, yeah, undisciplined amateurs because that's what well, they are. Like you mentioned this, 70 guys transferred into Colorado. They're and still Colorado State had like 50. 
Yeah, I mean, there's a lot. There, there's a lot for those teams to figure out, right? Because mm-hmm. they come in a couple months, you know, maybe a few months, two or three months, and they're still trying to figure things out. A lot of these kids were over at Jackson State for Colorado, and then they're having to move all the way, you know, you know, westward to you know Jackson State to Colorado. So I'm sure the culture shock is there to being in Boulder, right? Let's talk about yeah, that. That's first a very off. different you, place to be. You know, and a lot of these kids in both Boulder's schools, cool though. I like Boulder, but Boulder's a it's a cool little town. Um, but then uh, getting used to the elevations, the other thing for both both schools, players at both schools. So there's a lot of little elements you have to look at on top of. And you mentioned this. This was like the biggest event. And the thing is, is that for Colorado, if they beat Oregon this weekend, that next that that game next week against USC. That's going to be like a, a a fucking red carpet show. It's going yeah, it's to be like be nuts. I think I think somebody put it best was it's going to be like the Source Awards. It's going to be a who's who of culture, you know, that's going to be showing up to like a red carpet event because just watching the Colorado Colorado State game was just like holy shit, you know, who's there? Like you know, Little Wayne's there. Like you just look at all the people, the athlete, I mean, yeah. you know, all all the celebrities and athletes that were on the sideline for Colorado. It's going to be crazy for USC because that's going to be in LA, you know. So it's just uh, first they've got to. They, this is their prove them game. This is it definitely the good. This thing about Colorado was versus Colorado State before Norvell, before Dion. That was a very heated rivalry. It mm-hmm. was one of those low key secondary rival, rivalry games that you liked watching every season. Trust me, I've watched plenty of those Colorado State and Colorado Colorado State games over the years because they're fun, just like uh just like Alabama Auburn without that they're not as high profile, you know? Yeah, it's a, definitely a regional thing. rivalry and then all of a sudden it's a national one. Like yep. that happened very quickly. It's like BYU Utah is what I could think yeah, of. Yeah, like, like another yeah, one. Yeah, was that that the one that that's the Holy War? No, which one's uh, Holy yes. War? That's BYU Utah. It is. Right? Yeah, I knew, I knew it was yeah. BYU. Yeah, yeah, it's BYU, BYU Utah. Utah. Yeah. Okay, yeah. that makes sense. Because some people think that Utah State, because they always play up, but Utah is a, at a different level, and BYU, oh, yeah. they have their ups and downs. But whenever they face Utah, they get pretty intense. Yeah. And this is one of those games as well. Um, so, I, you know what, man, it was a good, it was a great showing. Like I enjoyed the game. Yeah, and you got to know ESPN's happy. Oh yeah, nine million people watched that game yeah. versus. Oklahoma, I mean, I'm sorry, Alabama, Texas was like, what, nine? So it did better on ESPN than the ABC game did the week before with Texas. Which is crazy, because that's not OTA. No. And it was after dark. Didn't get over to, what, 1 a.m.? 1 a.m., like, yep. Brutal. But everybody watched it. What a great finish will do. Yep, and so that's what you look for in college football. You want that. I, I really like what Dion's doing over there. Um... It was a good. It was a good work through adversity. Take a moment the next day, the next week, getting ready for for a major opponent with Bo Nix coming. You know, going. They're going out to to Oregon. Like they're gonna have to face Bo Nix. Go into that stadium where it's going to be intense. Like, there's a lot there that they can take from last week's game and learn from it. You mm-hmm. know, there's a lot to get them ready. And this is going to be the test, man. Because if they go out and Oregon blows the doors off of them, it's like, okay, they're not okay. But if it's a if it's a close game and Oregon wins, I still think that, that people are still going to be looking at Colorado as okay. That that's you know they they have a lot of athletes that are. I mean they're still an unknown team to a degree. 
So this is a big game, man. This is a. I'm really excited for 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 Oregon, Colorado. I really am. That's a great game, and that's yeah. actually one of our pick'em games, which is our weekly yes. five game pick'em pool that we do. Um, Fusion is actually currently our leader in that pool. I believe you've only missed two games. Two games. And I've missed, I think, four or five. So you're in first place. So Colorado, Oregon. For me, the key of that game is going to come down to Colorado's offensive line. They're giving up a lot of pressure to Sanders, like a lot. Right. I want to say right. it's like. 11.5 pressures per game so far, which is yeah. quite a bit. And once you start getting into those top-end teams, I mean, they were playing Nebraska, an overrated TCU, and Colorado State. Now you're getting to Oregon. Like, they got they got dudes on their line and in their front seven. And you're giving up that many pressures? That's that's kind of alarming, and it's definitely the reason, I believe, they weren't they 21-point underdogs or something like that? Didn't I oh, see yeah, that they, they were three they touchdown were, they dogs? Were, they were 21 and a half last I checked. Yeah, like, that's the reason. It's because their line has looked suspect. Even though Sanders yeah. has played great, greatness is only extends so far if you're constantly under pressure. Eventually, something will break. A pick six, a quick turnover, something's going to break down in your offense. And that's why I'm going Oregon. But what about you? I got to go Oregon, man. They have a Heisman hopeful and Bo Nix at quarterback. They have skill position players that are dynamic. They have a lot of speed, both offense and defense. I I have to take Oregon on this one, man. Now, like I said, this is a proven game. I I'm not gonna say I had low expectations for Colorado coming in because I really didn't. That first game, what I saw was they were very well coached against TCU. That second game against Nebraska, I think there was a little bit of a hangover there. And then I think Colorado, they thought they were going to roll on them. And there's a lot of... So what I'm seeing is a little bit of a shaky... We're getting shakier with the discipline of the coaching over the past two weeks, right? If they come out and they really hold their own against Oregon, it will prove to me that Dion and his coaching staff are... Like, they run a real tight ship over there. That that will prove that to me. That being said... I just looked. Uh, Oregon is at 20, uh, 20 points. So it was twenty one and a half yesterday. So uh, closing a little bit. So there's, I guess, people are throwing, you know, a little bit more money that on uh, on uh, Colorado. Um, I'm going to say Oregon wins. We don't talk about covering on the the lines here, uh, but I'm going to say Oregon wins. I just want a really fun game. Yeah, I really want this to be a fun game, like a good, intense game to where at the fourth quarter, there no neither team is blowing the other out. Yep. Yeah. That game is a, is a 2.30 kick on ABC. Yep. Another yep. OTA game in the 2.30 window that I'm definitely keeping an eye on uh, is number 15, Ole Miss, at number 13, Alabama. Um, for my money, Alabama, they don't look like last last few years, Alabama. Right? No. Like They're unsettled at the quarterback position, which is, of course, I mean, look at the Pac-12. They've got all the great QBs, you know, like across the country. Besides maybe Penn State's Drew Aller, like, you know, and that other than that, he didn't even and even he didn't look that great against Illinois. So like they don't have a great QB. The defense gave up a lot of big plays to Texas. They they struggled with USF. It was USF road game after a big game. You know how much is it as a hangover off that loss? You would hope for a better bounce back though. So you wonder, ranked team coming in, are they going to pick up their second loss? And especially, you know, Milrose back at the quarterback position. But, you know, it it's not impossible for them to find it again. I believe it was Coker back in 15. Was it 15? What year was he the QB that they won? What, either way, like, he got benched week two 
for an attitude issue or something, and he gets comes back in and they run the table, right? And then they win the championship. So it's not impossible. I just don't see that with this year's Alabama team. They don't have that overwhelming talent at the outside that will break up any defense. See, here's the thing we have to look at with Alabama. Over the last three, actually, let me correct myself. Over the last four years, they've had the top, they've been one of the top three recruiting classes in the country. The last three years, they had, you know, two of those, they were the top recruiting class in the country, right? These guys have, there are athletes and there are players out there. Nick Saban, for a very long time, we thought, can put it all together for these guys, make them professionals, right? What is the problem this year? Is it the defensive coaching? Is it the lack of the quarterback? Because as much as we don't like, I mean, we say that Jalen Milrow has struggles, they've won with shaky quarterbacks in the past, right? Yeah. What is it? Is it the fact that they're just... Is is Saban losing his touch? I know people want to create that sensational headline. Is Saban finally losing his touch? I don't think it's that. I think that I think they're in a bit of a limbo right now. Yeah, I think they're in a period where they've got a lot of talented guys. Like Caden Proctor is going to be an NFL yep. ta- an NFL tackle. He's a true yep. freshman right now that's getting beat up because yep. he's getting thrown to the sharks right now. You know, yep. you know, sink or swim, and he'll eventually he swim. Yep, but it just right now. You know, your left tackle's not locked in 100% dominating every snap, which is what you need. And that offensive line had a lot of struggles last year. Yeah. A lot of struggles. That was their weakest point coming into this season, even though he was going to be their starting left tackle, That you know, the freshman, true freshman. They were a very underperforming offensive line last year. Mm-hmm. And that to they me don't seems have like their Achilles of, heel. They don't have a lot of speed on, in the secondary. That's obvious, too. They have a lot of speed at running back, and they need to figure out how to make that work in their favor. Yeah, and against Old Miss, I, I just see them picking up that loss number two. I just and then, I mean, I, but again, that's the first loss SEC for them. So everything's still on the table in terms of conference play, but you know, you wonder with that fan base, what's going to happen when they pick up a second loss, and what happens when they're when they're totally on the outside looking, like not even looking in playoffs over you know that's going to be some weird conversations if they do indeed pick up that second loss so what about what about you what are you thinking of this game what's your uh jackson jackson dart the old miss quarterback is leading the team in passes passing yards and rushing we have yet to see quinchon judkins the uh the, the running back uh who ran for 1500 yards last year really and i know he's been injured he hasn't really had a chance to really break out I think offensively they have a little too much, and I agree. I think Alabama loses their second game. I think I think this is that game where, and I think this is going to have people panicking about Alabama. It's just circumstances, man. Yeah, it's just it's the just ebb and flow of football. Like no. nobody stays on top that far forever. And the other thing is, this is what we're going to be looking at at the SEC next year with Oklahoma and Texas going in. They're no, they're not like cakewalks anymore. Texas is work their asses off to get back where they are, where, where they're hopefully at now and can sustain that into next year. Oklahoma is just Oklahoma. Like even if Brett Venables doesn't happen to be the guy, they're not going to be an awful, an awful program. So they're coming in. It's 
there's just so much parity in the SEC now mm-hmm. that you can't you can't just say Alabama's going to run the table every single year now because there there are a lot of good teams in the SEC. Um, and it, what interests me is like, hey, maybe I'm hoping to see what happens with Auburn next year because I think that they're going to spend some money to really bring things back up over there. But I think Alabama, the, they're they're okay. So I was having a conversation with a buddy of mine. The number one college, uh, high school quarterback for next year, the 25 class, not the 24, but 25. He's supposed to be the 6'5", 220-pound kid that's supposed to be able to be like the best dual threat in a very long time. Reminds people of like Cam Newton. Um, he's actually being fought over by Colorado and Alabama right now. And I think Nick Saban's going to make sure that they put all, you know, pull out all the stops and bring this guy in 25, because if, if they're going to struggle this year, they're going to try to get a transfer next year. You know, somebody, a quarterback that, that maybe want to get out, like maybe a Malik Murphy at Texas, or if Quinn Ewer says, I'm going to stay another year. Arch Manning says, screw it. I'm not going to wait. I'm going to get out, come to Alabama. Like, I think Alabama's going to pull it out, you know, pull pull something out of their hat to make sure that they have a quarterback next year. Talking about this year, it's going to be rough, man. It's going to be rough. Like and 10 like 10 11 wins is rough. <laughs> like yeah, man. Like yeah, they, they they could still end up running the table, you know, be 10 and 3 at the end or have another loss and end up 10 and, you know, 9 and yeah, 3. Yeah, like right? they could, and, and they could they could only win have the one loss before the championship game. Like yep. That's entirely possible. So yep. it's it's not like everything's off the table. It's just and this this is this would this may be their only SEC loss. Potentially, yeah. Like that's not impossible. No. And I just for where they're at, where I where you just kind of get the sense of the program, I, I'm going with Old Miss as well. Picking sure. up the road win. One of them one of my few well, I guess I'm trying to think. Right, what did I all pick? Sorry, we've got five games. So we got what do you want to go next? You want to do Texas Baylor? That's an easy pick. Obviously Texas. Let's, obviously Texas there. I think Baylor. W- I hope the. Can we Texas talk about the Big Twelve a little bit. Eh, it's a bit of a disaster, man. Because beyond to those start, two top teams, oh yeah, it is top heavy. Which is funny because they're leaving at the end of the season. Yeah, the SEC, and they're bringing in schools. It's going to be weird because. Coming into next season, is Colorado immediately the top team in the Big Twelve? Assuming they year? don't turn over the roster again, you got to imagine. Like, because Dion's going to make sure they spend a ton of NIL money, right? They're going to have a ton to spend. They're going to have a fuck ton to spend. Um, they may have one of the best recruiting classes in the country, like top three or four. Do you say that, depending on how they end up this season, is Colorado the best team in it's the Big Twelve? It's probably them in Kansas State. Yeah, maybe TCU. In terms of roster um, talent, like at the T- jump, TCU traditionally doesn't have a top recruiting class, so they're always kind of an unknown until until they put the yeah they're a developmental the, program put, one yeah, of the better until ones. They put the, yeah until the cleats hit the field and they out, go out there and start beating people, they're always kind of like the hey, but you never you can't they're in that position kind of Iowa's in of like well yeah. they'll, they'll be competitive. You know, but like not picked to win. No, but Iowa, Iowa has top ten, top twelve recruiting classes. Nope, barely break the thirties. Are you sure about nope. that? I'm okay. dead serious. Now it's been, okay. and honestly, in terms of adjusted for production, once they get the when the once guys, they get the, okay. yes, okay. they way outperform their rankings, but sure. they hardly ever break out of the thirties. Sure. Like I think we were, if we'd have kept Proctor, I think that would have been Kirk's first top twenty-five class. Oh, but okay. we didn't. That's fair. 
And that's what that's what makes me worry about that that big that huge six eight four star we got, who just yeah. moved back to Iowa. I know he's a lifelong Hawkeye fan, but so was Proctor. Like Colorado wanted wants him. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Like you gotta wonder. Now it's I I don't want to like jinx anything because it certainly seems like he's more. Now nah, I'm not even gonna take visits. I'm coming to Iowa, kind of kid. But that's that with the NIL Wild West, it's still always out there. And like you mentioned, Colorado's going to spend money. You know, yes, it's going to be there. Yeah. Hey, we're coming home. And they got all yep. the energy off this season. You got Dion. Like they've got it. They've got to replace his son because his son's obviously going into the oh, NFL for draft. sure. He's a top ten top ten pick at this point, right? Based for sure. off of hype. Yeah. For so right now, yeah. they're going to have to replace Shador Sanders at quarterback. So they're going to spend money. I I really think. Okay, let me correct myself then about that. So. um I think, I think, I think, yeah, I think Colorado, you have to think about Colorado probably possibly being the best team in the Big 12 next year. Yeah, that wouldn't shock me. Just because it's not very fun to watch the Big 12 outside of Texas and Oklahoma right yeah, now. Yeah, I mean, you got, it's kind yeah. of, like we brought up at the top, Iowa State got dealt like the shittiest hand possible beyond yeah. mass injuries. Like guys' careers are done because they made stupid mistakes. You know, and it just hit them really hard in very key positions. So there right. goes there goes the middle of your conference, one of your middle teams in your conference. Now they're a bottom feeder right now because they just don't have the guys to go win games. And they're losing again. Ohio's a good team. I don't want to say like Ohio would beat the brains out of Western Michigan too. Like Western Michigan's a bad team. What Iowa played, but Iowa's not losing to Ohio. You know, like they just uh, couldn't overcome that. You know. Yeah, Oklahoma. Is, I'm sorry, I don't know why I said Oklahoma. TCU, Colorado, maybe K State. Yeah, Oklahoma State maybe. Oklahoma if they can turn State around, could, they looked awful. They did. They did. They I mean, did. State's I kinda... favored. Uh, you have told me that coming into the season, off the suspensions, that Iowa State would be favored against Oklahoma State. Oklahoma I wonder, State. holy shit, are we talking Rocco Beck for the Heisman? Like. But instead, it's Oklahoma. Just like what we who who did we say fell off a cliff? Oh, it was right in the pre-show. Somebody fell off a cliff. We were talking. Oh, Pitt, right? Pitt, Pitt fell Pitt, off a cliff. Yeah. Oklahoma State is just nose diving off the cliff right now. Like, yeah. what are they doing? I mean, the conference was theirs to be had with Oklahoma leaving, right? And and Texas, and they're not seizing the opportunity. They're just not so competitive at all. I think the other the other one is. Though the other disappointing ones is U of H, they're going to be they're going to they're Dana Hogerson's just a horrible coach. Like I, I've never been a fan of his, and he's just that's one. One uh, uh, some of those incoming teams, the newer teams to the Big Twelve. I'm like, okay, somebody one of those teams is going to make a run at Lavar Woods from Iowa. Yeah, one of them is going to do it because if 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 we don't give him a bump or like, hey, you're the coach and waiting. This is Kirk's last season, right for next year. Lavar's gone, and he's going to be a head coach somewhere and absolutely kill it. So that, that dude just I mean, screams head coach. Well, Tillman Fertitta uh, has the money to pay for someone to come to U of H. They've traditionally done that, bringing in a coach that was kind of like outside of like the major mainstream like list and really cultivated them, and then they go somewhere else. Now, he could he always go back to Iowa? Yeah, that's possible. But like, I I, I don't think you should lose. You shouldn't lose him. Because I hope we don't, because like. Oh. Everyone in the program's like, dude, this dude's this dude's fucking head coach. Like he can be a go head yeah. coach right now and win right a lot now. of games. Yeah. Like he wants to start that career part of his career, it sounds like. Yep. Somebody's gonna make a big rhyme run on him this offseason. Because so, our special know, teams are still really fucking good. 
Yeah, uh, Texas Tech is bad. Uh, Baylor's bad. We've already talked plenty about Iowa State. Uh, Cincinnati's eh. Um, yeah, man, it looks like it's TCU, Kansas State, and Colorado are the top three teams next year. Yeah. Like, I'm just saying based off of like, I have a lot of confidence in Coach in Deion Sanders right now for what, he, what he's doing now. They could shit the bed against Oregon shit the bed the week after against USC and then it'll change my outlook. But based off of how I see like they're they're competitive and they're entertaining and he can bring in recruits, I think that they're going to be good next year. So I really see this as Colorado TCU and and uh and Kansas State's conference sure. for a Speaking while. Speaking of Colorado, I wanted to bring this up. Yeah. It struck me watching the game and looking at both teams schedules because I was probably gonna lose one, maybe two games. But because sure. of the Big Ten pecking order with the Big East, like we're the fourth team that's going to get like picked for a bowl game generally between Ohio State, Michigan, Penn State, and then probably Iowa. Colorado is going to maybe lose, what, two or three games? I wonder, like, I'm, I'm, I imagine the angles of, if you're trying to market this. Colorado versus Iowa. You got Coach Prime versus the Dean of College Football, Kirk Ferentz, like... Two programs that are very opposed to, to each other in terms of yeah, style. Yeah, polar, polar, polar opposites, opposites in terms of play and style. Great, great UDs for both schools. Yeah, like by the, the way, it, it, they're both like it's a different black and gold, right? Like, and Iowa's more on the uh, well, it is a yellow. We just call it gold versus like yeah. true gold with Colorado, like, and they're kind of you know one mid you know middle America teams kind of thing in terms of like where their markets are, like. I could absolutely see those two teams ending up in a bowl game across from each other. That would be really fun. Now, let me say this. Colorado's got Oregon, then USC. Yeah. They get a break with Arizona State. I think they're going to be more competitive with USC because USC's defense is dog shit. Yeah, I agree. Then they, they have two weeks off with Arizona State and Stanford, right? But then they come back and they face UCLA, Oregon State, Oregon State, and then two weeks later, they close out the season with... Washington State, then Utah. Yeah, like that is a murderous road. That's murderous hard. Row, murderous row for Colorado. Now, if Dion comes out of that with just two losses, I will. He's give coach that of the year if they get two losses. Yeah, yeah out of He's all national that, national coach yeah. of the year, book it. Oh man, I, mean, I don't that think is it's likely, like, but like it just when I saw the schedule, I was like, oh man, if that happens, you're talking guaranteed so, their rankings in the ten to fifteen minimum, yeah. and Iowa if we only lose to Penn State. And then a Big Ten title game. That's two. We're probably also in that same range. And we'd be lower in the pecking order just because of the Big Ten. You know, like maybe we'd go Rose Bowl, but like who knows if they, you know, how how that would all end up. Well, so that was just where my head went watching the game. I was like, oh, that'd be cool. you You lose to Penn State this week. How is it? How do you feel? I mean, you said two losses. Where do you see them losing? Big Ten championships. Oh, big time chat. Good, good call. I didn't think about that. Yeah, you're right. The, and honestly, watching the games, I'm like, okay, we'd be a little more competitive with Michigan this year. So far. Yeah. And you got to wonder, not having Harbaugh on the sideline during game days, is that affecting things? I'm not going to say we'd beat them, but like in terms of style of play, we match up more with Michigan than the other two. Yeah. And we have an actual competent quarterback play this time. Would be we possible. won't talk about it in detail, but Michigan State's having a horrible, horrible week. Oh my gosh! And oh, then they man. get they get they drew night game at Kinnick. Oh, yep. I they're going to get destroyed. I feel bad for those kids in Michigan State right now. It's and because like, and that's another one. It's like they're going to lose a lot of dudes. 
Yeah. Because that's for, for their upperclassmen, that's their third, their second coach, and whoever they hire is going to be their third coach of their career. Yep. Like, that's tough. And they're going to get, ex- you know, because of the firing situation, they'll be ex- one time exemption transfer, you know, go wherever you want. That's going to further muddy the waters in terms of the transfer market, too, because I'm very high profile Big Ten program losing talent. It's going to be a lot of transfers floating around. Watch, watch Nebraska pick up a lot of those kids, too. Wouldn't shock me. I- I could see it happening because Nebraska, Matt Rule, you like the guy, you want to cheer for him. He obviously has roster deficiencies. He needs more talent. And I know they're going to go out and spend the money in NIL to get it, but I wouldn't be shocked if you see several Michigan State players going to Nebraska next year. Yep, wouldn't but, shock me at all. But, you know, you know, that would be a fun game. That would be a fun game, Thomas, to see Michigan's, uh, to, to see Iowa and Colorado duke it out. Because it just, would it'd be, be so, game. like, I, Polar like, opposites, yeah. It'd be honestly not unlike, and obviously that was a very differently coached team. I'm not saying like the end result would be this way, but like the Holiday Bowl, Iowa USC, that was just a bizarre ex- viewing experience right. it's, in that first quarter before Iowa kind of blew the game open, which was crazy that that happened. Like we're fucking pulling Tristan Wirfs out there and just decleating dudes on reverses. It was awesome. Maybe the best game Brian Ferentz has called in his career including the blowout of Ohio State. But, like, that kind of... Because they play, like, crazy Pac-12, spread it out, you know, go wild kind of offense versus Iowa's very buttoned up. You know, it's 4-3 or our kind of nickel package, and everybody stays home. We're not fucking around. Like, very different styles. Plus, then, Dion versus Kirk. Like, that's yeah. that's yeah. wild to think about. I don't think it'll happen, but... No, cool. but that would be that would be that would be an interesting matchup. Yeah, that'd be a so, very cool postseason non 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 playoff kind of game. Yeah. So let's pull out, go back to the picks here. Yep. Obviously, you brought up uh, Texas Baylor. The next one is Iowa Penn State. Yep. I think we're both in agreement here. It's probably it's going to be Penn State for this one. Yeah, this one, my heart says, Iowa's done it before, two thousand nine. It's even happened more recently, like in the last. We've won the last two games against really good Penn State teams. But there's also also been massive blowouts at Penn State. I want to say it was 2016. We had two linemen go down. One guy broke a leg. The other guy, I think, tore, tore a ligament of some kind. And it was over by the first quarter. Because they both went down, like, immediately. So, like, there went the running game, the passing game. Couldn't move the ball at all. And that was James Vandenberg, I believe. And he was not a very... He was Stanley Light, which is not very good. Because Stanley, what made him great was the fact that he could just fucking stand there like a statue and take it and still get the ball somewhere. You know, because he was legitimately a very good quarterback in college. But yeah, that 2016 game, we were just overmatched. I worry we are here because we're missing dudes. You know, Lachey is out. Yeah. Eric All's quite good, but it's obvious he's not 100% coming off the back surgery. And the backups are an unknown. Beyond garbage time against Western Michigan, we haven't got to see much. But if any position is going to be good backups yeah. for Iowa, it's two. Number one is tight ends. At least on the offensive side, tight ends, because Iowa, I think, is of this century tight end you. I, I, you could make an argument for a few other schools, but in terms of the last 10 to 15 years, I don't think you can. And I think so the, the backups tight end should be fine because we recruit the same kind of guys. They have a similar level talent and coaching, so they should be fine. 
and running back because we got a really good running backs coach in terms of like just knowing how to hit the hole. Not that we are recruiting that great at the position right now, but some of the guys were, you know, three, four star guys. So that's not impossible that they could be competent for a game or two because it doesn't sound like our current running back situation is like that dire. It's ankle tweaks, week to week kind of stuff. But man, we are a little too thin on the defensive side, especially on the back seven, the back four. Like they have shown some holes the last couple of weeks where you wonder, is everybody communicating? Is everybody on the same page scheme wise? Because normally they don't. You know, giving up big plays to Western Michigan does not give me confidence against Penn State. But you wonder, like, is Drew Aller gonna try to, you know, do a little too much? Are they, is somebody going to go after Cooper DeGene and get bit? Because someone's going to. Right. You know, and I wonder, is that going to be the Penn State game? Because, again, it's not impossible. If your defense can get you in some good positions, just takes two or three drives to make it a game by the fourth quarter. If the defense can do it, get, get some turnovers. They don't even have to score. They can get you some short fields. We've got a really good kicker to shorten the game up and make it a tighter one. It's not impossible. And I think the 15-point line is insane against Iowa. Like, I, I can't remember so. the last time they lost by 14 points, not counting I, I the Ohio State so. game. I think it's a high spread given the fact that Drew Aller hasn't blown the doors off of Yeah, I, he their didn't, against Illinois, and our defense is way better. Yeah, I, I know a lot of his throws are to his running backs. He likes to spread it out, but particularly to the backs, right? That could be a problem that kills against us. Iowa. That kills us. Yeah. yeah. Because, like, traditionally, because, like, there goes the 4-3. Yep. You can't do that against like that. Like Purdue, Purdue ran that kind of offense, and it destroyed our defense. He had multiple receivers go off for two hundred yards a game against us. So he just, could. I mean, it may not be. There may not be a need for him to throw for three hundred yards. But with that said, though, I think it could. It could easily become a special teams battle. Like it could be a game where their offense doesn't doesn't show because the weather's not supposed to be great either. It's supposed to be yeah. that kind of wet, not overbearing rain but kind of just kind of wet all day. Everything yeah. is wet, soaked kind of game. You know, that kind of dries up maybe as the game goes on. But by then, you know, you're slogging around and you're going to get a little more tired, you know? It's a whiteout too, so that one, you know, you wonder how does everybody on Iowa respond to that? But for most of the guys, it's not their first time. Yep. So that shouldn't be a huge deal because like we play kinnick night games like that's not that crazy of a difference between white out at happy valley i think that's a little overblown but i still don't see a win i see this more 28 for like you know maybe 28 in that high 20 low 30s range for penn state versus you know maybe maybe 21 for iowa sure so. yeah yeah, I I went with Penn State here, man. I had to when I really think about like the injuries are noticeable for Iowa at this point, particularly on the offensive side of the football. Yeah, and and you know that's going to I like I said, Penn State. I mean they're scoring forty points a game, but when you go and look at the numbers, you're like, wait, they're scoring forty points a game and they're racking up four hundred yards. But when you look at like Aller's not blowing the doors off of everybody. He's only thrown four touchdowns. It's just like, okay, well, maybe they have the backups, the backups in to like, no, maybe the running backs are tearing it up. And yeah, the running backs have been okay. Like they've been good, decent, but they're not like 
blowing the doors off people. You're like, okay, so what am I missing here? It's like, no, they're just a good team. All you know, a good team. It's like, okay, maybe it's just the war of attrition that by the fourth quarter Iowa just can't hang. You know, that's most that, likely what's going to happen. That's what you know, you know Iowa. That's what'll happen. Like the you know 2015 Big Ten title game, like just ran out of dudes. It's like ten to seven at halftime, and you're like, okay. And then by the third, by the end of the third, late third quarter, Iowa just starts running out of gas. You know, but particularly on the offensive side, just because lack of experience or just depth problems because of the injuries. Like it just, it's what it feels like. You know, so I went with Penn State here. Agreed. Yeah, uh, but if Iowa wins, so get ready, get ready th- for those. Uh, talk to your kids about undefeated Iowa. What? I remember, that, remember be, that shit. Yeah, yeah, man. <laughs> if they um, pull so, it off. So this means that the next game is is more than likely going to be the one that separates us here. Yep. Because we're we've got the same picks down the line until now, right? Yep. I think so. So we've got Ohio State at Notre Dame. The yep. uh, for me the undisputed game of the week. That is a sixth, also a six thirty game. We've got yes. three six thirty games to be watching. So I'm going to have multiple monitors going. At number six Ohio State at number nine Notre Dame six thirty on NBC. Fusion. I talked a lot about the Iowa one, so you go for this one. Uh, I think Notre Dame is the truth here, guys. I think Sam Hartman transferring over from Wake Forest has been a godsend. Yes, you can take that Notre Dame pun right down to South Bend and touchdown Jesus. Give him, give him what, I, give him my quote. I think, um, I think Notre Dame is just a little too much here for Ohio State. Now, I think we've started, we've seen sprinkles within the Ohio State offense that. They just don't have, you know, McCle- they just really haven't settled in offensively, in my opinion. Like, they have so much talent that they can run up the score on, on lesser teams, but from they just don't look as dynamic as they have in the past, like as monstrous on the offensive side of the football, and maybe it's because of the quarterbacking. But I think I think at this point, you're, you're they're going into South Bend, and they're facing a really good team that has arguably one of the best offensive lines in the country mm-hmm. uh he's a very 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 good quarterback and sam hartman um you know i know he's what 24 25 years old he's like a joe burrow he's going to he's going to you know elevate his stock probably into a late first rounder early second rounder mm-hmm. just because there's just so many talented quarterbacks going into the draft this year but i really like i really like notre dame in this game man i can't i can't like when i look at them i'm like okay i think when we first opened up the show i was like Two teams that I'm kind of shaky on, like, who are they? It's Penn State. Like, are they really going to be as tough as we think they are? The other one was Notre Dame. I feel a lot more confident watching a lot of the, the film the last couple of weeks from Notre Dame. Like, Hartman really has them within in a really good rhythm offensively. And they, like I said, great offensive line, very good defense. I, yeah, I think Notre Dame is going to be, they're going to be pushing for that, for, for, for one of those four spots at the end of the year, man. Agreed. Actually, I also picked okay. Notre Dame, so we're in lockstep right. this week. Uh, for me, I, like you said, it's just that they're unsettled on offense. You know, yeah. Kyle McCord was only recently named the starter. Yep. I do wonder, though, like, they haven't been really punched in the mouth, that kind of, like, you know, what happens when you get hit kind of mentality. Right. Do they unlock, will that kind of kick them into gear? Because in some, in you know, some athletes' cases, that's what can get them going, right? Because they haven't really been challenged. And you wonder, is this the week where they're like, oh, wait, whoa, whoa, wait a minute. We're Ohio State. You fucking got this. Yeah. And they, because Ryan Day is a great coach. You know, you wonder, can they do that? I do think Notre Dame is too much for them, though. I think Notre Dame is at nine is like, okay, voters, what the fuck are you smoking? Like, how are they nine? Yeah. They, like, they are clearly 
they're that team this year from right. what we've seen so far. Like, that's a team that's going to be a problem come the playoff because they are a complete team, which I did not see coming into the season, especially after last year. I was like, okay, is much like what we said about Oklahoma. You know, you wonder after that first year doesn't quite hit all the right notes. And now that second season, they're storming out of the gate saying, no, Notre Dame, we're fucking here. Yeah. And they certainly are playing that way. So I think they're too much for Ohio State, but it's a non-con game. It doesn't kill Ohio State's chances for the rest of the season. Well, Big yep. Ten's still all in front of them. Yep. And the playoff think, is too if they go if they run the table. If they run the table, they could still be in the playoff, man. And I think you point out a really good point uh with Ryan Day. I think it, Devin Brown's the other quarterback, right? That's the back of the freshman. Sounds right. Devin Brown. I think if he feels and let me get let me get this straight. He, McCourt has not been bad. It just when you look at them, it's like, okay. They have played lesser p- opponents. They barely beat Indiana to open up the season by 20 points. Youngtown yeah, State. Barely by 30, 20. Like, I know, right? But if you're talking about Indiana, but then they go Youngtown State. They gave it was 35 to 7. It's like, I think we've gotten to the point where we've gotten used to. We're, we're, we're used to seeing that 50 spot. Yeah, Ohio State doing what Oklahoma does run up the score to make sure that they pad their rankings, right? And then uh, Western Kentucky, you know, 63 points. That was a really great showing. But at the same time, it's like it's Western Kentucky. Like this, we need a test for them because I just don't think that they're as they're they're I don't think they're there yet. I don't think Ohio State's the there yet. Now, if they go into South Bend and give them a really great showing this week, that'll turn some heads back to Ohio State. They go in and they get blown out. It's like, yeah, we all thought, you know, we'll have the benefit of hindsight. Sunday or Monday. Yeah, for sure. We, you know, oh yeah, we knew this about Ohio State, but it's, and that's the tough thing. And like you brought up, like, uh, you brought up Notre Dame being ranked number nine. It's tough right now because when you go and go in and look at the rankings, I mean, the only real movement that's been happening is Texas. And the only reason why they moved up to from four to three was because Florida State barely got a win last week. Mm -hmm. That's the only reason why. And that's the, that was the other team that was like, you know, if I had to be pick, pick me a handful of teams, are they kind of like, are they frauds or are they unsure? It was Penn State, Notre Dame, and Florida State. I really liked what I saw from Florida State the first week. Now I'm starting to get a little like, okay, is this where I thought they would be? Yeah, how much of that was fool's gold? Yeah, fool's gold that first week. Okay, USC, they're still, I got to see them in Pac-12 play. Yeah, I, I want to see them see against them. somebody that, yeah. on offense has a pulse right you know and so i think Notre Dame and over the next week or so could be shooting about shooting up in the ranking yeah i think so i believe so i think you'll obviously obviously if they, up. obviously if they beat ohio state you know they could easily just vault everybody else. Oh, they'll go top five if they beat ohio state yeah so yeah man i i mean Here's the, the crazy thing, though. Colorado's at 19, Oregon's at 10. If Colorado beats Oregon, goes into Co- Oregon and beats Oregon, they have to vault everybody, right? Well, again, that's a dependent on, like, if Notre Dame wins, they're going to be higher in Colorado. Yeah, okay. Play, and yeah. Texas isn't going to fall back, and Georgia's yeah. not going to fall back. I mean, Ole Miss, will just, Ole Miss will flip with Alabama. Yeah, they won't move much. No, they'll, they'll probably be more. They'll probably, they'll probably move to, like, the 10-ish spot. Yeah, yeah. You know, because a road win at Alabama is not nothing. Yeah. So, but hey, we we five for five, same picks. So okay. I guess I'm not okay. making up any ground this week. Okay. Well, no, the point differential is a tiebreaker. So true, but I'm still not making up any point. You know, oh, point, totals. points. Yeah, you're right. 
So, man, I mean, yeah, <laughs> we. This is the tough thing when we both watch enough college football, like the really good games. We kind of like, hey, we're gonna be a little more. I really did toy with putting my last my my honorable mention of the week. I really wanted to put this in there, but I'm like, I don't think everybody in our pool is gonna watch this game. They should, but they're not gonna. And that is the Tupac Championship between okay. Oregon State and Washington State. Oregon State, Washington. six o'clock Fox, so another evening window. Um, okay. which will be well, that's afternoon for them because it's 4 p.m. for them. But at the last two in the Pac-12 standing, going at it, it's at Washington State. The only time they play this year, and probably for the rest of the Pac-12's existence, unless yeah. both of them go on an absolute tear and meet back up in the because they don't do divisions, do they? Shit, uh, they do divisions. They? I don't think they do. Are they divisionless, so they they could meet up based on record again, kind of like the Pac, the Big 12. I think so. No, they they, they don't have. They don't yeah, they they do either. kind of that round robin like kind of thing where you could like you could 12. technically have a rematch. Yep. So, yeah. So that's not impossible because they're both good teams. But I think Oregon State for me would be my pick there. That's my road win. They're the better ranked team. Washington State, you know, had a great win against Wisconsin, but I think Oregon State's a better team than Wisconsin, so mm-hmm. they should pull that off. I like the quarterback at Oregon State. So we had, if this I, like, our, I like Washington State's guy. Like he was carving up Wisconsin pretty good. Yeah. Uh, if we had to pick, if this was going to be like our pickup, I would still pick Oregon State too. Yeah, I think we'd still have the same ones. But yeah. I'm definitely going to want to watch at least have that one kind of in the periphery since it's not a pick 'em yeah. game. But I still yeah. want to watch it because I mean, it. This is the two teams where you got to go. Everyone in college football is like, God, these guys got fucked. Yeah. You know, like they're getting screwed. Yeah. Like, and it's not just. The program, like the kids, like they're playing there, like they want, they came to win big Pac-12 championships, and they're not going to get that chance. That sucks. Yeah. Ugh. And I wonder with this court case, because they got the whole injunction and everything going on, how crazy would it be if by the, if before the seasons end, the judge rules in their favor and they say, no, 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 the championship. That was this weekend, right? Like that was what is it? Mm-hmm. That was the 23rd of September, and the winner's the Pac-12 champion. Because <laughs> like, if, if the judge rules, none of the other the people leaving get to vote on anything. Right. They could. That'd be, that'd be pretty cool. I don't think it'll happen, and it would be incredibly petty. But damn if it's not deserved if they pulled that off. Would they, just, would they be silly about it and brand it the Pac-2 championship? Oh, yeah. you, you know they would. Yeah. Because like the the whole that whole situation yeah, with uh, Kavalov, like was that how you say his last name? Klavikov, whatever. Klavikov, yeah. Like trying to essentially pilfer and like he's backing the people leaving the conference. Yep. Like, dude, you're the commissioner of this fucking conference. There's yep. two members in it right now, but you're still their commissioner, not for the ten leaving. Oh man, there what was, are you there's, doing? There's not a bigger douchebag than. George Klavikov, because he came in a media guy thinking he could do whatever he can to run this league because it, this was another case. And he of, thought he had the, big, the big 12 over a barrel. Well, not just over the barrel. He thought he was going to make a fortune. And then he, he sat on, right. They knew there, there were talks of teams leaving last year, right? To go to the just pack. Like, yeah. Yeah. And he was just like, Nope, we're going to hold everything. We're going to not, we're going to leave everything as is because I'm going to present this awesome TV deal. And they're like, all right. And then teams are like, we want out. Colorado's like, I want out. Other teams are like, fuck it, we want out. Oh, by the way, like our grant of rights isn't as 
as like ironclad as you thought it was, Clavicop. So there was another thing he botched, right? And then he's like, hold on, guys, let's present this deal. I don't know what happened because they didn't have a deal in place. And then the next day, they're all meeting. And apparently they walked out after 30 minutes because yeah, they like, laughed and laughed is, kind of in their face. And like, we're done. This is like, really, dude? Like he promised like, what was it? Like 15 to $20 million or yeah. something stupid. And they're like, yeah, this is ridiculous. Like we're, we're done here. We're out. There's never been a better, like, well, no, I can't say that because I think Elon Musk and Twitter has been the yeah. greatest business botch in the history of American business. But when you when you look back in like some of the biggest botches in in just business uh, and sports, what happened with the Pac-12 was one. With, with Clavicoff yeah, you thought the did, Big East was a shit show. Oh, Whoa, no, no, you no, ain't no. seen nothing in the Pac-12, no, man. No, no, no. Like wow, like we're talking we're talking about hundred year old like legacy conference. Yeah, with some was, of the most prestigious universities in the country. That was picked apart in days because their commissioner just I don't when you look at the other side of the spectrum what Yarmark did over at the Big 12 was very like they're not an elite conference but it was And they're not they know they're not trying to be. No. That's the thing. They know what they're going for, they have their but, vision and they're hitting it. But but he what he did was he made it a very entertaining conference for baseball and basketball too. Yeah. another sport. Like they may catch other teams by surprise getting into the playoffs when they expand to 12 next year uh in in football, but they're going to be a conference that and in 20, 30 in years when football starts to taper off because high schoolers are playing it less. Yep. They're in a really good position. Yep. I honestly don't think in a hundred years we'll be playing football at the level we do. Uh, in this country. Do I. I said, I said 30 years. I said, I said 30 years from now, football is going to become a dying sport just because I think you're going to see mo not, not football. like power five teams, but like, I don't know if you and I keeps playing football that long. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah. The, like your lower level schools. And that might shore up, you know, the, the depth of the top level for a time. Yeah. I just don't think they're going to be able to have that many kids eventually if the, if the enrollment continues to dip. So, you know, the teams that are like betting on basketball a little bit, that's not the worst idea in the world. Right. And so when you look at the Big 12, it's built for basketball. Oh, dude, that, that Big 12 tournament is going to be absolutely fucking insane. Right. right? Oh, if they keep it in Kansas City, Baylor, U of A, you look, just look at the conference and just look at it. Kansas, Kansas State, Baylor, Texas Tech, U of H, like Arizona, know, Arizona. It's like that they got they legacy. got some teams, dude. That that is legacy college basketball right there. You know? Yeah, and you look at a lot of those teams like they're not like continuous championship in baseball, but there are teams there there are teams in there that are really good year over year in college baseball so that's great like i'm i'm happy that you i i didn't know much about your mark all i knew is like the first year he came in it was like okay it can't get any worse and then all of a sudden a couple months ago he's like you know what we're going to texas and oklahoma's leaving okay we're going to rebuild this conference boom 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 like he just he went all in it's like hey it may not be the most dynamic football conference but we're gonna make up for it elsewhere because when it comes to like those those TV deals from you know in March Madness, like a lot of our teams are going to be in the mix for for national yeah. championships in basketball. And so, like, hey man, if you can't do it in football, fucking do it in basketball. So, yeah, it's it's really sad what happened to the Pac-12. It really has been. And I am gonna watch a little bit of that game just because, like you said, this this is the end. We're, we're nearing the end, and it sucks because the last season of the Pac-12. There are a lot of really good teams over there. Yeah, a lot you of really talk good. about a last dance, like damn, dude, yeah. they got 
a lot of great talent at the quarterback position. I believe yeah. they have the most of the Power Five conferences in top twenty-five. Yeah. Like they got some really good teams that are gonna give people problems either in the playoff or just postseason, you know, kind of yeah. interconference bowl game. Like yep. that's gonna be really fun to watch. When Washington State joined the top the top twenty-five, they officially became the the conference with the most teams. Yeah. yeah. Top good conference. That's, and it sucks to see it die. Yeah, it just and it just it died a, with a whimper, man. Like with a whimper, it didn't even go down like with some incredible like yeah, like somebody you know, popped a balloon. Like, God dang no, it! This is this is like this is what we're gonna have. Like yeah, it's just gonna go down with a whimper. But hey, man, at le- hopefully at least one of the te- one of the teams in the Big Twelve gets a uh, Pac twelve gets to represent in the playoff this year. That'd be, That'd yep. be nice. I imagine it'll happen, just given the level of quarterback play. If we if they if we get a one loss Pac twelve championship, they're in the playoff. And then we have a Heisman winner from the Pac-12. That was just icing on the cake right there, man. And it's not on, like, you want to give you a shout. You said Phoenix, man. I told he you. He is having a year. Yes. Even without an off uh, running game, he is having a year, man. I yeah. just That was my guy, man. My gut told me he was going to have a year. So, oh, man. Well, I it's it's Phoenix, just, it's, technically, I just said it the wrong way on purpose. But it's hey, that going was... to be going to be a really good couple weeks as we, we're getting into conference. Yeah, now we're into the meat of it. We get some real yeah. interesting matchups, great storylines. The, the clarity of the season really comes into play. Yep, yep, yep. That's what we're going to do here for our week four kind of preview. Uh, we'll be back next week talking about the after of week four. You know, some of the big games we have, like a bunch of top 25 games to sort through, plus our thoughts on week five games coming up next week. You can follow us, of course, individually. I am at Mr. Wartburg. He is at It's Mr. Fusion. You can follow the show at Two Back Set on Twitter, and I'm going to keep calling it Twitter because if he wants to bitch about pronouns, I'm going to call it Twitter. Uh, he doesn't get to tell me the name of it. And uh, let's see, anything else? Anything else I'm missing? I don't think so. No. We should probably get out great of here. College. Let's have a great, uh, great weekend of college football, guys. Get, yeah, get some, fo- get some food and watch some football. Yep. See ya.